Romans 11.36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That word glory is what I want to focus on today. What is the glory of God? Now, I know it's been a while. I have not been lazy. I have I've been reading several books and enjoyed some time not having the pressure of posting an episode every single week. But I am excited to get back to the grind. So uh, every Tuesday, I'll be posting an episode just like the good old days. So I'm excited about that. Um, now, I was I left off sort of right in the middle of a series talking about Jehovah's Witnesses. And I actually had a former Jehovah's Witness reach out to me. And, and so we've been coordinating on email some, and, and we've had a few conversations and so we're actually going to be doing, it'll be like an interview style um, podcast episode with him or probably several episodes. And so we'll, we'll do that in the future. So I'm, I'm, we're coordinating some times to, to work that out and record those and all that. And so we'll, we'll be doing that. Uh, but in the meantime, and that's, that's really part of the reason that I have not posted anything recently. Um, I was, I had a little speaking event that I was preparing for. And also, just I didn't want to break up that Jehovah's Witness series, but it's a it's obviously easier for me to record. Like I'm recording this at it is five ten a.m. at my house, and so it's it's a lot easier for me to just hit the record button upstairs than it is to um, you know have have some time to to sit down with someone else's schedule too and interview. So anyway, that's coming up now. Also. You can you can connect with me, bearchristianity at gmail.com. You can email me there. Also, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, it's at the real bear martin, and on Twitter at bear for Christos. Now, in the past, I've done this little episode, this little section called a bear in the woods, or I did some uh, like commercials and things like that. Just kind of some, you know, hopefully mostly funny things. I've decided to just skip over those. I know a lot of people really like those. If you want funny stuff from me, then go to inst- follow me on Instagram, and uh, I like you know putting up humorous stuff that I come across. Um, but I, my my goal here with with this podcast going forward is to focus on the Word of God, and and then you know different things from that. Obviously, I do a lot of apologetics type stuff as well, but that's going to be my focus. So follow me on Instagram for funny stuff. All right. Now, to introduce what we're talking about today, over the past several weeks, I've spent a lot of time around the topic of the glory of God and just meditating on on different aspects of that and studying what the Bible says about the glory of God. I've got a, a program that I've mentioned several times, Logos Bible Software, and it will let you, I mean, very quickly, you can read, it'll just list out all the verses in the Bible with the word glory in there, or um, you can you can actually search it where specifically it's talking about glory as it relates to God, and so there's lots of different ways you can you can quickly see all the verses in the Bible that cover a certain topic, and it's really good to read all of those so you just get a feel of how the Bible speaks about different things, and in this case, the glory of God. 
So that's that's what I've been studying a lot lately, and so that's what I want to talk about. And so what does, first off, before we get into the glory of God, let's just look at the word glory. What does glory mean? The main words in the Bible that are translated glory in Hebrew, that, so that would be the Old Testament, it's kavod, and then in Greek, it's doxa. Now, this is where we get the word doxology. If you've if you've sung the doxology at the end of your church service, or if you've heard that word before, usually it's associated with praise and, and worship. So doxology is doxa, which is the word for glory, and lagos. Um, in, in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. That's That Greek word there is lagos. And so lagos is word or saying or speaking. Um, so it, it's a, around that, that set of words there. So doxology would be a glory saying or a glory, a, a glory word. And so that, that's where we get the word doxology from. Anyway, uh, listen to this quote, though, by James Montgomery Boyce. He says, doctrine, if it is rightly understood, leads to doxology. If we discover who God is and what he has done for us, we will praise him. And that is, that's my prayer for this podcast. Really, you know, I've, I enjoy talking about and studying biblical doctrines. And so sometimes it's, it's kind of nerdy stuff, but that's the purpose right there because it leads to doxology. The better you know the facts about God, the, the doctrine about God, the more it will change your life. If God is just sort of this ethereal thought, then one, you'll turn God into something that looks like yourself, but also you, um, it, it doesn't affect the way you live the way it does when you when you know God. That that's why God has given us the Bible. Um, if if God didn't give us the Bible and just gave us all our own little personal feelings, then there will be no standard of of who God is or what God is like. And so that again, that's the importance of the Bible because that is God revealing himself, these specific things about him to us. So again, that's my prayer that as we analyze the Bible or, or what the Bible teaches, this biblical doctrine, that you your worship of God would deepen and your life would change. Um, so hopefully that's that's what's happening. Now, the basics about the word glory. Glory in in the most basic way, it carries the idea of weight. So Think about in ancient times, weight usually involved value because they're using like metal coinage and stuff like that. But um, in its most basic sense, it's this idea of weight. Something heavy is substantial. And along those lines, it's usually considered valuable or important. Now, today we still use phrases like don't take it lightly or man, that is some heavy news. We, we use these phrases to convey that this is significant, what we're talking about. Uh, that makes me think of uh, Doc Brown in Back to the Future when Marty McFly keeps using that word heavy, uh, when, when Doc Brown's explaining time travel and, and those types of things. Very significant, serious, um, important stuff. And so it's, it's heavy. Now, what something weighs or the value of that object is determined by what it is truly made of. And I'm going to build on this. All right, so by what it what it truly is, that's what gives it its its value, okay? 
Now, recently, my wife organized one of my daughter's rooms, and she's getting rid of this cubby thing. And of course, it's my job to take it downstairs and to the dump. And so when I went to pick it up, it was actually much lighter than I was expecting because it is made of fake wood. And so uh, if you've ever dealt with furniture, that like old school furniture that's made of real wood, you know that stuff is heavy. Um, what it's what it's made out of is is different. But also that real wood furniture is more valuable. Now, obviously, just because something is heavy doesn't make it valuable. But what I'm getting at is is the substance, what it truly is. See, when I look at that cubby, it looks like wood, but it's really fake. What it truly is, though, is what gives something value. And so this is the concept that we've got to keep in mind as we start developing this idea of glory. Something is truly glorious because when you see its glory, you also recognize it as valuable or significant. So a diamond that's locked in a box is valuable, but you wouldn't call it glorious until you take it out and look at it in the light. So glory can be thought of as as value or worth or significance, importance. It's that, glory is that stuff put on display. And glory is generated internal, it's generated from internal or intrinsic qualities but glory is is outward. So glory in the Bible always seems to be something that is shown or expressed or realized. Now, some synonyms of glory, it would be the word honor. In Proverbs 3, 35, it says the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. The word honor there is the Hebrew word kavod, which is most of the time translated glory. Uh, the, the same is true of this next verse, Esther 5.11, and Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches. Again, splendor is the Hebrew word kavod there. So honor and splendor. Another one is praise, Luke 17.18. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Um, now, let me just list out some more uh, synonyms for glory. Majesty, magnificence, brilliance, or brightness, wealth, riches, abundance. So, so this, this word glory, um, like, like the word icicle is very narrow. When I say icicle, you pretty much think of one thing. When I say words like wonderful or awesome or beautiful, that, could, that, that has a much wider... Um, a broader concept of what that that word carries, and so glory is is like that. Some examples from the Bible, specifically where that the word kavod or the word doxa is translated glory. Let me just you know read some of these. That way you kind of get a feel for how the Bible uses this word. Exodus thirty three eighteen. Moses says, "God, please show me your glory." And then you remember when he comes off the mountain, his face was glowing um, because he had he had been with God. His face was sort of glowing, the, the, the glory from God. Um, Psalm 24, 8, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. So who is this king of glory? And then it's going to tell us about that. He's, he's strong and mighty, mighty in battle. Ezekiel 43, 2, and behold, the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the east, 
And the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with its glory. Luke 2, 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone, and I'll go to the King James here, round about them, and they were sore afraid, right? So if you've uh, recited the, the Christmas story, you recognize that verse. Matthew 6, 29, Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. 1 Corinthians 2, 8, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. There, Jesus is called the Lord of glory. That's really important. Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And then last one, Matthew 25, 31, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So that brings us to our question, what is the glory of God? Here's my definition, and there are several different you know, theologians throughout the centuries have, have come up with definitions for the glory of God. Because it's such a, a broad word, um, it, it's tough to really narrow down to one definition. But here's what I'm going to propose to you. This is mine. The glory of God is the display of his attributes, the display of his attributes. So God is holy. God is beautiful. God is all-powerful. He is wise, just, true. God is merciful, gracious, and righteous. He's self-existent. Um, so the, the glory of God is God displaying those attributes to us. Isaiah 6.3, it says, and, and this is when um, Isaiah has a vision of the, the throne room of God. And he sa- and, and says, and one called to another. This is the, the angels around the throne room. And so they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So again, the display, glory is, is outward. It's, it's, it, it's generated from the internal qualities, God's attributes, who God really is, but glory is the outward display of that. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So God's glory is the way he shows himself to us. When we when we see God for who he truly is, when we, when we see uh, the the glory of God, even if this is partial. Of course, we're we're not we, you know we like God said to Moses, I'll I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and my glory will pass by you. Um, one day we will see God for who He truly is and and be in the full glory of God. But as we behold the glory of God, we know Him better. It is God displaying His attributes to us. That's that's He's when He does that, He's showing us His glory. Now, in the Old Testament, God's glory is seen as a bright light, which reflected off the face of of Moses after being given the Ten Commandments. God's glory was seen as a pillar of fire, a cloud, smoke filling the temple. I've already read some verses about the the sound of many waters is related to God's glory. So these these displays of God's uh, power and his might, those are part of God's glory. Um, God's glory was seen as he rescued Israel from slavery in Egypt. In Exodus 14, 4, the Lord says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, 
and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When Israel rebelled, God's glory departed from the temple. That's in Ezekiel 10 and 11. In the New Testament, the glory of God is perfectly on display in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, a lot more on this in future episodes, but here's a little teaser verse here. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So I'm excited about those episodes for sure. Now, my definition is of the glory of God is the display of his attributes. Let me give you some other definitions. Charles Hodge, theologian, he says this, the glory of God is the manifestations of his perfections. Now, quite honestly, I think that I am saying the same thing as Charles Hodge, okay? Um, but he's he's saying it more sophisticated than I am, all right? The manifestations of God's perfections, the manifestation or the display of his perfections, God is perfect in all his attributes. And so uh, I think I'm, I'm on the same page as Charles Hodge there, which is, is usually a good thing. Um, now, John Frame says, the glory of God is God's visible presence among his people. And so there, I mean, think about the, the pillar of fire and the cloud as, as God was leading the people through the wilderness, that his glory was with them. Um, so it's his visible presence among his people. Obviously, this easily, this, this applies to Jesus Christ, of course. Um, so so that's I, I like that definition. Jonathan Edwards says, the glory of God is the ultimate end of all of his works. And so at the end of time, we God has shown us his glory, and th- so that has been revealed to us. And the ultimate end of all of the things God has done in, in, in revealing himself to us, that is for his glory. It's the ultimate end of all his works. It's for his glory. So that's Jonathan Edwards there. Now, as Christians, we give glory to God, or we glorify God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism is one of the most popular question-answer training manuals for the Christian faith. And the very first question is this, the question, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now, when you glorify God, you are displaying His attributes. You are manifesting His perfections. And so let, let me break that down a, a little bit more. Um, when you when you glorify God, you are uh, one way you can do that is through your praise and worship. You are glorifying God. Psalm 22, 23, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. Now, so praising or worshiping God is confessing the attributes of God to him. That's how you're, in, in this instance, this is how you're glorifying God. Um, when, you, when you say, God, you are mighty, you are my provider, you are creator of all things, Lord, you are my savior. Those are all ways we glorify God because we are proclaiming to him, we're praising him for his attributes. It, it's as the worshiper, we're saying, yes, Lord, I, I see that, I I 
acknowledge that. I understand that uh, to the you know to to the extent that a, a creature can, and and you're praising God for that. So that's one way that we can glorify God. Psalm forty eleven. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. So this is this is glorifying God, igno- you know, acknowledging and and proclaiming that. He he has he is ever loving. He has steadfast love, and he is he's faithful. Um, so we can glorify God through our our praise and in our worship, also through our works. Now, listen carefully. Our good works do not save us, but someone who is truly saved will have a heart that does good works. For the Christian, all our good works are a response to the grace that has been shown to us by God. All the glory goes to God. We are displaying what he has done in us. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and what? Give glory to your father who is in heaven. Now, the only way anything can ever be considered a truly good work is if its ultimate purpose is to glorify God. Romans 8 says the non-believer cannot please God. The non-believer cannot do any truly good thing because their ultimate purpose is not to glorify God. If it was, they would be a believer. <laughs> so th- their ultimate purpose is is the, for the non-believer is never to, to glorify God. And so they, they can truly never do any good work. Now, it will ultimately end in in selfishness or idolatry. All right. So let's let's think of an example. Let's say that someone gives a bunch of money to charity. And I'm arguing that there are only three ultimate possibilities for why they would give money to charity. Either it's for the glory of God, which we've just talked about, or it's selfishness slash pride or idolatry. So for the selfishness part, let's say this person gives a lot of money to charity, but they could be motivated out of a desire for recognition. Maybe they're motivated, it's maybe they're giving because it's a favor, you know, kind of like I'll donate to your charity if when your charity builds this building, I get the contract to to build it, you know, that, that type of, that type of stuff. Maybe people are giving um, for tax purposes. Uh, maybe they just want to feel good about themselves, and and so they they give in that way. All of these things are motivated ultimately by selfishness or or pride. The other option is idolatry. So uh, some people may give to a charity um, because they are so like like think about endangered species or or climate change or any of those types of things. They they are so worried that this uh, endangered species is going to go extinct. Um, that they're they're donating because they it, it's so important to them, and so th- this is idolatry. This is worship worshiping Mother Nature, worshiping the creature rather than the Creator. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't take care of endangered species or the environment and all that stuff, um, but your your purpose behind that is extremely important. So for the Christian who's donating to conservation efforts and and things like that, it's it, you know the the prayer should be God. I know you are the creator of all things. You you hold this world in your hand. You are, you sustain everything, but you've also 
given man the job of cultivating and, and having dominion over this earth. And so um, in that way, it's our responsibility. And so, I, I, you know, God, please use this money in those efforts. Um, and so that that is, you're still glorifying God in doing that. Instead of thinking, oh no, you know, we're, the mother nature is is suffering because of me. That That's idolatry. And so that's what I'm saying there, that no good work um, if, if it's not, it's, it can't be considered a good work unless the ultimate purpose is to glorify God. And obviously that applies to Christians. What is your motivation for anything that you do? This is the constant struggle. And, you know, so I, I have this podcast, right? And so this is, this is the struggle that I have. Am I doing these sorts of things um, because I, I want people to say, oh, wow, that was a great episode, um, or, you know, different things like that. And so it's it's tough it's tough to keep that, to, to evaluate yourself and just stay on track with that. Um, there's definitely times when I post an episode and, and I've prayed over that episode and it's, God, this is for your glory. Um, there's definitely times where I've worried about you know, how this is going to come, what people will think and how this is coming, you know, and, and then I, I get doing things for my own selfish reasons. So that is the, um, the struggle of the Christian is to, to stay focused on the glory of God, on, on glorifying him. Now, you know, this, this idea of donating, you know, let me go back to this idea of donating to, you know, endangered species or whatever, and saying, God, you know, use this money to to glorify yourself. Does that sound like over the top? Does it does it sound kind of ridiculous or um, just too deep? Like why? Just, you know, just give them the money. It's not that big of a deal. Quit quit overthinking it, Barrett. Well, what if our mindset was the thought of in everything we do, we want to glorify God, recognizing that that is the ultimate purpose, or it should be. So this is. As I was meditating on this, this is a situation that came up for me. Um, now, th- this is not, again, this is not me uh, boasting, and this is not even something that I've actually done, but this is a, a prayer that that I think could or, or should be a part of my life in the future. Uh, here it is. It's, God, I'm pulling in my driveway, and I've had a tough day at work. I pray that you would give me the energy to be able to play with my kids Help me to be a good dad for them so that when I have opportunities to tell them about you, God, that they would listen. I pray they would know you better, God, because they have a good father in me. I pray they would better understand your love because of the way that I love them. God, my ultimate purpose for being a good dad is for your glory and help me today, God. So, you know, that's like a sample prayer of, of how I could apply this to my life. That Imagine living in everything you do with that type of mindset, that those types of prayers happening all day long. What would your day look like? How, how would it be different? Um, so that mindset changes the way we live. And so that's, that's why I'm excited about talking about the glory of God, because I think the, the more we get this in the front of our minds, um, the, the, the more it will affect us. Um, now, don't turn this into legalism, okay? <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say is that you just develop this habit of, of asking in whatever situation you're in, how can I do this? Whatever it is, 
for the glory of God. God, how can I play this round of golf for your glory? How can I go on vacation for the glory of God? So uh, just think about that and and pray that God would um, help you remember that in the, in your situations throughout your day. Um, so we glorify God through our praise and worship and through our works. Uh, but most importantly, we glorify God because of what he has done in us through his works. So sometimes our praise is because uh, what uh, what God has done in, in other people's lives, uh, miracles, different things like that. In Luke 5, Jesus heals a paralyzed man after uh, forgiving his sins. This is the, the story where the, the friends lower the guy through the roof. So Jesus tells him, he, he's already said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Then he says, rise, take up your mat, and walk. And Luke 5, 25 through 26 says, And immediately the man rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. In John 11, we read about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And you may remember that Jesus did not hurry when Lazarus was sick. Jesus delayed. In John eleven four, it says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. So we, we glorify God through our, our, our praise and worship, our good works, if done for the glory of God. And through his works, what he has done in people's lives. And the most important category of that is our salvation. This is the most important. Nothing else displays the glory of God like the gospel. In the gospel, we see God's power, his sovereignty, his love, grace, mercy, his justice, beauty, providence. In some way, we see all of God's attributes in the gospel. And so this leads us into next week's episode. One of the richest passages in Scripture is found in Romans 3, verses 23 through 26. And so the next several episodes will kind of focus in on the the different concepts that we see in, in that verse. And it's all related to God's glory in the gospel. In closing, um, next week, I will answer the question, what does it mean to fall short of the glory of God? And and our verse here to end it all will be Romans 3.23. This is the very first verse I ever memorized. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.